one, two, one, one. I'm sorry, but that's a really good way to start. No, <laughs> someone's got to start somewhere. Start at the beginning. What's the name of the podcast? You've got to start somewhere. The podcast that takes you behind the scenes of show business to prove there's no such thing as an overnight success. With your host, Rachel Corbett. Nah, seriously, I won't do gear all the way through. <laughs> Did you want me to introduce you? <laughs> just <or>? halfway. <laughs> Absolutely. I know you're used to hosting and mm-hmm. everything, but mm-hmm. I just if you don't mind, I've got mm-hmm. a whole bit prepared ah, at great. the beginning. I will sit quietly <laughs> and stare at you awkwardly. Don't really. I was just going to say hi. <laughs> <laughs> well, no doubt you already recognise this bloke's voice. He is one half of the Fitzy and Whipper Breakfast Show, which is just in Sydney, but really feels like it's everywhere because there ain't a TV show he hasn't gotten his <laughs> fat face on. <laughs> Jesus. It's, not, it's more the chins. Michael Whipfley. Yeah. Just if you fire up Wikipedia, because you've got to start somewhere, you'll see that we have a national hour as well, six till seven. Oh, All right, uh, of course. Yeah, it's just top and tail claim. Speaking of your Wikipedia page, yeah. there's nothing on it. Isn't there? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. There's a very, let me do this a bit um, live. Okay, uh, sure. I'll just sure. Do, do a bit of Google searching. Okay. It's a bit weird that you would research a guest live <laughs> and then hope that there's something to talk about. Okay, anyway, we won't go back. Um, you know what I do, I am sorry for, um, mm. that I couldn't introduce you with a parody song because, jeez, oh. you love them, don't you? Yeah, parodies <laughs> are catchy. <laughs> if you knew what I was like, right, behind the scenes, because you see this big, oh, God, he's so funny, this guy's hilarious. <laughs> do we? Watch him go three hours every morning. Thank yeah. you, Whipper. <laughs> no, I'm quiet and I'm sitting at home on the guitar, right? I do sexual healing. Have you got a guitar here in this weird attic? I do. <laughs> do you? Did I say addict? <laughs> attic. We, we are in my weird attic. Yeah, it's slash good. I should have bought studio. the guitar. Mm, I've got it. I've got a guitar inside. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to do it at the end. Yeah, we can. Please. When I'm... I get that feeling, I need a sexual healing. Please don't, don't do it all now. <laughs> it's not on the Wikipedia, is it? <laughs> no, it's not. But I can update anyone. Can. Thank you. Thank <laughs> so... you. Yeah, we do parodies. We're not afraid of a parody. Yeah, um... you're not afraid of them. <laughs> Okay, if I've been invited here so you can point out what you're sick of on our show, then just get through your list, mate, yeah. and we can go our own ways and enjoy a Friday Arvo. Because I've got parodies to write. Okay, yeah, exactly. All right, I'll leave it there. This is, uh, the show is, of course, you've got to start somewhere, right? Yeah, you knew that. You do, you've got to start somewhere. So I, I want to focus on the early days of the career because now everybody knows who you are and a lot of the people sort that... Sort of. So, come on, mate. Nah, I don't buy that line yet. Are you I don't serious? buy that line. Not that that's an aim of mine. Come on, it is. It's I'm so an aim. I, I went to uh, the butcher the other day. <laughs> and he didn't know who you are and you cried. Yep. And I said, I will never buy sausages here again. <laughs> but I bought them. I was hungry. And as I was walking out, the girl ran out and said, my boss has told me not to do this, but would you mind if I had a photo? And I went, <sighs> yeah, of course. And I love your sausages. And then she said, uh, we dropped the photo and she said, well, I'll be watching. Um, have you been paying attention? <laughs> I've never been on the show. That's Mick Malloy. I mean, how long will this go on for? My life has been plagued by lookalikes. Yeah, probably the rest of your life, I'm afraid. Guy Grossi. Who's uh, Guy Grossi? Celebrity chef. <laughs> Not much of a celebrity. Oh, okay. Sorry. Hang this on. Is, you've just painted this as a live interview. So let's just, as we go through it, Guy Grossi. Guy Grossi. How have I Just go to s- images. Um, <laughs> no, I'm across it. I'm across our Google. Google, type in images. <laughs> I've never seen that bloke in my life. Really? Never. Good looking guy. Uh, yep. 
No, he's older than I am. They're all older than I am. You are every. I've seen you on Shark Tank. Yep, went on Shark Tank. Just a great vehicle for solid ideas. And that's another part of me that you don't always see. Great ideas. <laughs> so we went on with the map. Yeah, it was a mint in the bottom of a coffee cup. Yeah. I actually yeah. thought that wasn't too bad an idea. And I also appreciated how much money uh, Nova had piled into actually <laughs> building you a mascot. <laughs> Do you know what's funny about it though? What? Is I had that as a real idea two years ago. And these are ideas that I sort of discover for a while then realise it's just going to be more expensive to produce. Yeah. Therefore, it doesn't make commercial sense. So when I wanted to make them up as a bit of a joke to, to take on Shark Tank, I said to Nova, here are the drawings that I had done professionally. So here's what you need. Did to. you really have them done professionally? <clears throat> yeah, I did. <laughs> That's fine. You've got to explore these ideas to the point where you know they're not going to work. Yeah. yeah. Okay? Mm-hmm. It's called R&D. Yeah. And, <laughs> and then they said, yeah, that's great. Here's a cheaper way of doing it. It's just a peel-back sort of lid because okay. that was how you contained the, the mint. What was, but what was the original? If well, that it was, was more of a tear-back flap. <laughs> now, there's a fine difference when you're actually operating them up because the mint will just roll out if it's just like peeling a lid off a yogurt yeah, and yeah. it's upside down, yogurt's going to go everywhere. Yeah, yeah. I'm bored with that story. <laughs> <laughs> well, now that we know that that was an idea that you yeah. did want to execute, keep that in your head because coming up at the end of this uh, podcast, mm-hmm. I'm going to ask you about ideas that you have had that haven't come to oh, fruition yet. Dim Sim flavour diet pill. I've got more. <laughs> oh, yeah. I've got more, so we'll do that at the end. So let's go back to the very beginning. Yep. What was the first ever job that you had and uh, not in media? You know what? I got $5 an hour for crushing boxes at the chemist. And how old were you then? Uh, nine. Nine? What were yeah. you doing working at nine? Was your mum into slave labour? That's got to earn a living, mate. I was trying to carry the family. Oh, <laughs> it was what, horrible. What did you want to be when you grew up? I, I was completely confused. Mm. I didn't know. Yeah, weren't we all? Mm. Thought about the building industry. That's why I went to TAFE and did the building course, building management. Always thought that I would do different things. Mm. I never wanted one job. So in terms of where my head was at, (laughs) well ahead of its time. (laughs) Always. Well, Well, the map. I never said this is a great example of that. (laughs) (laughs) I never said this is how the future generations will be thinking. Yeah. At the time, I did know it. Uh, You started on a building site working. You did study at TAFE and then start working on a building site. Uh, How did the blokes take it when you turned up in loafers? (laughs) Not much of a building site, man. I mean, you do look like a hairy Tyler, but. (laughs) (laughs) If you see the ass crack of the right pair of shorts, you won't be thrown by the loafers. (laughs) I don't always wear loafers. You do. These are just sneakers I've got on today. Brown. Casual streetwear sneakers. You don't strike me as a sort of R.M. Williams and oh, King G style. You're sort of more of a Chino's man. No, I can fit it. <laughs> can yeah, you? Yeah, yeah. I've got a Stockman's whip I bought at the uh, Mindle Markets in Darwin. So <laughs> well, because you bought something at the markets in Darwin makes you like a cowboy. So if you want to pick the theme, I'll turn up in the outfit. <laughs> it's All right, not just, great. It's not just for novelty purposes. Did you know sort of first day on the job on the work site that this wasn't for you? No, I love it. Did you? Yeah. I always did things with my hands, tools, building stuff out the back, where to shed out the back of the house. Uh, so I was always out there tinkering, doing stupid stuff. Do you feel like you, have you, I mean, surely now at this point when you've gotten to the stage in your career, but I think when we're all sort of going through mm. things, there's a lot of points in the career when we go, oh, just go back to what I did before just in case, because yeah, it's a pretty precarious to. Definitely. Career. I think about that all the time. What would I do? Where would I go? Could I go back to the building game? 
was I really any good at it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably not. Do you know, this is a, maybe we're getting a little deep too Happy early. Happy to. Happy to? Yep. Okay, let's do this. You know, you're obviously a, a really recognisable face now, even though you don't think you are. This career is never forever, right? No. And the one thing I've always really enjoyed, which has kind of held me back in some ways, but I've liked that sort of nobody knows who I am. So mm. if I wanted to do something else entirely, then I could just go and knock on the door of an office building and go, oh, I'd like to work here now. And nobody would think, aren't you that person from the radio? Yeah. Do you feel now that you have a certain level of profile? No. It doesn't worry you to ever go back and do something? I wouldn't even consider that. And I don't think people would know who I am. Oh, that's no. 100% honest. No. I don't I don't think that exists. I feel like if you turned up to a building site and decided that you were going to become a builder again, it would be all day, every day. Whipper, whipper, do a parody song. <laughs> Where are your loafers? <laughs> exactly. Do a parody song. We do more than parody songs. I know, you do I, a lot. I don't, I don't, I don't, you know what's a great example of mm. how quickly it can change, though, if you had a profile and then you started working on a building site? It would be how quickly you forget about radio talent and shows when they're off air. Yeah. That's a great reality check, I think. Tell me, how did you get into the business? What was the first gig that you did? Uh, I thought it would be fun. And I went, I went to, there was a school in Melbourne called the Gary Mack School of Radio. Gary Mack? Oh, Gary was your classic old school. And mm-hmm. you'd walk in there and Gary had on the wall every Photo of Gary. No. (laughs) (laughs) Gary 1985, Gary 1986. His hair didn't change. Yeah, I bet. But it was was every celebrity that he'd ever met. So you'd walk in there and go, wow, this guy's phenomenal. And he would do the whole voice and welcome everybody. I'm Gary Mack. Yeah, right. Uh, And I put together a demo there and then was keen to get a job. So I thought if I drove from Melbourne up to Brisbane, I called all the radio stations on the way up and I sent them my demo desperate i love this so what i did too I, I wanted them to remember my cd so oh. i went to bunnings and i went and bought a wooden box and then i painted it black just because it looked special and i was out in the back shed again and mum and dad were wondering what's this kid going to end up doing yeah so i would send the box in the mail to all the stations mm. and then ring them and say look i'm driving through town have you got five minutes love to catch up but hang on okay wait woo up one second the black box. Now, yeah. I get the concept, you know, you're always told when you're sending a CV yeah. or whatever, make it different. Gotta you know, different. If you, you've got to be different. Yeah. But what was the significance of the black box? Was it just a box painted black? <laughs> I'd painted it with like a... a <laughs> it was like a gloss finish. <laughs> okay, but, but all it was was just a different yeah. version of an envelope. <laughs> What's in the box? Well, did it say that on the box? No, but <laughs> when you get it, what do you think? You think someone sent me a black box and you then... You know, is it J.J. Abrams? Is he the creator of, um, you know, the one where the plane landed that crashed on the island? Oh, lost. Lost. When he was a kid, his grandmother gave him a magic box. Mm-hmm. And he still hasn't opened the magic box. Oh. Because the infinite possibilities of what's inside that box are far more exciting than whatever the shit magic is that's inside. Yeah, but around about the time that you were sending boxes around, that would have been the time that anthrax was going around. So I remember getting stuff yeah, sent yeah. to the radio station and we got our work experience guy to open it because it was anthra- <laughs> anthrax was going around. So what, you've just yeah, so locked I up, up on the doors? When I went on, on the hi- up the highway, mm. there was this police behind <laughs> the entire time. <laughs> anthrax guy. He's on yeah. the run. Yeah. No, he's desperate for a job. Yeah, I know, bless. Uh, yeah, and then I would just turn up and people would just listen to the demo and go, oh, I don't know. But I was sending them out to other places at the same time. Did on that specific tour somebody offer you a job? Yeah. In essence, I'd sent one to Port Augusta Yeah. Uh, in South Australia mm-hmm. and they rang as I was sort of coming into Brisbane 
and it was like, oh God, I've got maybe two more stations to visit. Uh, is any anyone going to bite here? And uh, then the bloke rang from Port Augusta and said, mate, we'd uh, love to offer you the job. Wow. And I went, well, you don't know me. And I said, I can fly over and see you if you'd like, or I would have driven. Yeah. Drop, drop more boxes off. Yeah, I can do a Uwe now. I've just got to paint some more boxes. <laughs> Won't be long. <laughs> Guess what's in it? <laughs> it's worth it. They actually kept theirs in the mailroom and they would put mail in the box. Right? Oh, so it was useful. <laughs> so, yeah, not just garbage. Yeah. And he said, no, nah, don't worry about it. You can have the job. Wow. And I'm like, great. And I didn't know where it was. And it's three hours northwest of Adelaide. Mm. But I just remember thinking, port, it's on the water. I'll, oh. t- I'll take my tinny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I packed up and took my tinny and went to Port Augusta. Port Augusta. <laughs> <laughs> That's I actually never knew that about the beginning. It's desperate, isn't it? No, it's not desperate because I think that that sort of tenacity and like actually getting in the car and going and knocking on doors, mm. you know, you think how hard this business is to get into and to really stick around in. And there's a lot mm. of stuff that, you know, there's a lot of luck, there's a lot of timing. Yep. But at the end of the day, it really is the people that will put in and go the extra yep. mile like to go anything. and do that. How yeah. much do you want it? Yeah, exactly. Um, so, did you? So then, how quickly did you move to? A mm, couple of months later, um, packed up the tinny and headed across. <laughs> drove through great spot, Port Augusta. Um, if you survive, I remember driving through Adelaide and the guy, the guy at the servo went. I said, "Am I on the right way to Port Augusta?" And he went, "Yeah, hope you're going through." <laughs> Look at my car. There's pillows squashed against the window and a mattress in the boat. Just That's always great when the locals are like, don't stay here, don't. get out. Stay hey, now while you can. <laughs> yeah. Couldn't say in front of that bloke, his mum lives there. Turn around. Oh. So how long were you there for? About 14 months. That's still Quite a long time. time. Mm. <laughs> Quite a long time in Port Augusta. Not a lot going on there. You can't see it until you're 20k's away. And you're right near the Flinders Ranges, mm. which is great. So it's a beautiful drive in and then you arrive in town and... It's even sweeter. (laughs) How did you like being away? Because I always found the difficulty for me travelling a lot. I really struggled moving away from home and especially Mm. in, you know, I mean, I didn't work that remotely regionally. I just worked on the Central Coast was the most regional I did. But I I still found it very hard to be away. Did you find it difficult? Because it's Mm. quite a lonely existence. Yeah, it was lonely in a sense. Just had a mattress on the floor. Mm. I'm very happy doing my own thing. Yeah. Very happy. So I remember a girl I was seeing at the time, I had just bought her a plant. Into the mic, mate. (laughs) Sorry, where are we? Um, This girl (laughs) that I was seeing at the time, I'd just bought this plant for her as a birthday present. Yeah. It's called an agave. Goodness gracious, again, ahead of your time. Because now everybody's on the agave for the sweetener. Everyone. Anyway, I did a, did a lot of research on agaves because mm. the only place they don't grow naturally is Victoria, where I was living. Got to Port Augusta and there was agaves everywhere. You go to a reputable nursery, you got a thousand bucks in a good pot for an agave. Mm. So I, was, I would drive around to houses on the weekend that these houses, they had nothing. Like it was red dirt and then there'd be an agave coming out of it in the front garden and I'd knock on the door with my shovel and say, if I give you a six pack, can I take the plant in your front garden? Did you really? Yeah, so I spent 12 months just collecting agaves. So what was your ha- – did your house look like a sort of – Yeah, nursery out the back. <laughs> I had this huge back garden. But my house was also attached to the radio station. Of course So it I was. would walk out one door and walk round the wall and walk in through another door, which was great because at night if I had people coming through like friends that wanted to come and stay and they were travelling around Australia – 
I'd organise dinner and then I'd go and select the music I wanted to hear over dinner at the radio station and just let that play out and have the radio on. There are, this can't is the do great that at no, no. You can't <laughs> ring ahead and say, I've got people coming for dinner. This is the great thing about regional radio is that there is a flexibility and a freedom mm. that just doesn't happen. Oh, that amazing. happens nowhere else. But let us get back to that after we've gone through the agave. <laughs> so what happened to the nursery in the backyard? Did you did you sort of smuggle it across the border and yeah. take it back to Melbourne and sell them all? Yeah. God, you're so an enterprising I, individual. When I left, uh, I just put them all in the tinny. So then I had a big sale in Melbourne and the nursery came in and just took the lot. How much did you sell them None for? None of your business. <laughs> All of them. What did I sell them for? I don't know, four grand or something. All that work for four grand. Yeah, good question. That was a lot of beer. <laughs> <laughs> what do we bet over the beer? Tell us. Go to Port Augusta. I'm assuming the house came as part of the package. No, fifty no. bucks a week rent. Oh really? Yeah. And it just yeah. happened to be next door. Well, yeah, it was attached to it. Do you remember? Were there any sort of interesting stories about the early days? Because one of the great things about regional radio that you sort of don't get in your capital city radio yep. is is things like the sort of weekend sales broadcast <laughs> where you'd go out to the car park at Super Cheap Auto, yeah. and your show would be three yeah, hours of yeah. talking about muffler prices and stuff, and you just had to come up with a way to sort of make that entertaining. Yep. Did you have any of those early days gigs? that you think about now you just think oh my god yeah we had we had a lot of those car sales are so big in small towns yeah. aren't they mm. uh, sports are so big in small towns you know whatever can bring the community together sport yeah. and cars and we would often do that where we'd go out to say why Ford, which was 45 minutes down the road mm-hmm. and we'd be talking about the clearance sale and i tell you what <laughs> i couldn't get more excited <laughs> and they and the way things were sold in hey you know how you do monday to friday we're loving that so much we're thinking you could do a bit on Saturday as well. Really? <laughs> <laughs> but did you get a bit of extra coin? Because we don't always think so. Oh, we always got extra coin. No, I was on twenty four thousand a year. Regional radio. Regional radio. But <laughs> yeah. you did everything. Yeah. You swept the floors. You wrote the ads. You did your brekkie show, uh, and whatever else had to be done. Mm. I mean, it, things were a little bit more relaxed than you might find at Nova these days. So, for instance, the guy of the station, the the, the manager of the station, who was the town legend was a guy called Gary Kernahan. So Gary's brother is Stephen Kernahan, mm-hmm. who's the legendary Carlton AFL footballer. Right. So everybody knew the Kernahan family and Gary sort of took me under his wing, but one of the prizes <laughs> we were giving away was a trip to Melbourne, right? To On a Greyhound bus, please. To, it would have been <laughs> to go to the grand final. Wow. Right? And Stephen had organised the tickets. And the morning before the show, uh, I remember Stephen Stephen calling through going, Gary, those tickets you wanted, mate, they haven't come through. We've run this promotion for a month. <laughs> you haven't got the tickets? Nah, mate. No worries then. So we go on to do the draw and we just had, you know those SPC tubs with your pairs in it? Yeah. We put some rocks in that and that was the barrel. <laughs> oh, God, let's spin it up, guys, spin it up. Who will win? Thousands of entries across oh, the region. And then we would pull a rock out. Um, no, then we that we obviously couldn't have a, a name, so we made up a name. Oh wow! Because there was no prize, yeah. so it then became and the winner is uh, P- Peter from Wyala. <laughs> and I'll never forget the phone rang. That's me, mate. <laughs> That's me. No, it's Peter from Port Lincoln. We were looking for him. So sorry, we we got that detail wrong. Close, but no cigar. Thanks anyway, anyway, here's taxi ride. <laughs> <laughs> so it was like that. So, what did you? Where was the move? How did you move from Port Augusta to where did you go after that? Uh, went to Fox FM in Melbourne. That's a big step. Huge step. 
um, word had spread that I was keen to do parodies, I think. Oh, naturally. Oh, I naturally. I ahead of your time again. Uh, no, I had Hamish and Andy had started doing some stuff in there. Or even demoing, I think. And they said, hey, we could probably get you back to town if you wanted to do some panel work. Here's something I'd like to drill down on, and mm. we will get to the bit where you were sacked as Hamish and Andy's panel op because I, <laughs> I think that's an important part of the career to yeah, focus sure. on. <laughs> <laughs> um, sure. Yep, yep. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. I'll let you do this. Okay, got to yes. start somewhere. But the, the interesting thing is that you were a part of what I call the radio mafia, and I mean that in a positive way because mm. the, it's, a, it's a mafia in the sense that it just happened to be a group of people that were all exceptionally skilled that came in and kind of knew each other, Hamish, Andy, Jules Lund, Sam Cav, yeah. all those guys. So what was your link into that? I was a bit, uh, I was a bit out of that, mm. in a sense. Uh, I knew Andy just from kicking around. Andy used to play in a band with his brother Cam, or still does, and he used to play at a lot of 21sts. Oh. So they used to do like a covers band on acoustic guitars. And then we uh, started playing a bit of guitar. So we would go to a bar, SV bar in Collingwood, and <laughs> we would play guitar. Uh, I know would, we played. Were you asked to, or did you just <laughs> no. turn up and start? Guys, we're here. Can we shut that jukebox up? <laughs> no, I know that we played more than one venue, but I can't remember what okay. the other one was. And we got paid more than two hundred dollars collectively uh, once our careers at this bar had finished because we'd go around saying, "Oh, mate, we used to play at clubs around town. Like, <laughs> we used to make hundreds." <laughs> yeah, right. And it's just you turning up at the bar bringing your guitar out. Oh, so that's how uh, I met Andy. And I was at uni with Hamish. Um, and that was how I met Ham. So they brought you in to their, their show? Their panel up, yeah. To panel And some straight stuff. Did some crazy straight stuff. I mean, I had my genitals uh, cast in bronze. What well, starts with a plaster of Paris and then you pour the bronze in, you wouldn't go <laughs> balls into bronze. You'd be, you'd be mad if you thought that was yep. the <laughs> This hurts me, guys. Slowly lowered. <laughs> like Terminator, the end of Terminator 2. No, don't put your balls into straight into the brass. Good. Uh, I, I wanted yep. there to be a few important life lessons yep. in this podcast, right. so I think <laughs> that's one that we've gotten to. So you were po- you were panel hopping for them yep. and this is... Terrible panel op. Yeah. Oh, man. But it was... Not just them to start with. I was doing more um, the the midnight to uh, two a.m. where you'd just hit play on a CD in the studio, and it'd be take forty America or whatever it would have been, and it rolls out for fifty minutes, and you sit there. God, I was teaching myself origami and all sorts <laughs> of stuff. What year was that? Uh, that would have been two thousand and two, two thousand and three. I would have been upstairs doing exactly the same thing at really? Triple M Melbourne. I was doing Midnight to Dawns there and I don't know if you – I used to watch infomercials during the evening yeah. and I had the Showtime Rotisserie Barbecue was one yep. of my faves. Yep. Uh, the old bar mix thing where I used mm. to watch the ad where they used to say uh, you can make your own healthy mayonnaise and the ingredients so t- were – Whoa, whoa, whoa. You're telling yeah. me you weren't focused on that 50 <laughs> minutes, just checking the levels and things? <laughs> Lazy. I honestly – one of the – the worst moments of my professional career yep. is the moment that I had to do uh, breakfast one weekend at Triple M Melbourne and I had gone out the night before. This is the first and last time I've ever gone out yep. before a shift because I actually woke up with my head on the desk to dead air. I'd oh. fallen asleep in the studio and not, and it, it had completely gone silent. It's the worst feeling in the world. Yeah, the worst. And there was a book in there called Cock-Ups and Conundrums. Was so it? if you stuffed up, 
you had to write it down. Oh, really? And I would stuff up all the time and not write it down. Yeah, of course. Who's going to volunteer to write their own stuff up down? (laughs) Um, Had no idea what I was doing. Forgot to load the CD. Didn't play Becco. Sorry, guys. <laughs> a bit of an inside <laughs> joke there for industry. Um, so what what happened at the end of that? Because you so did get the old mate. One, we love you. Yeah, that, know, oh, you're panelling shit. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, uh, one morning, and you're right, Hamish and Andy were doing a summer show. Mm-hmm. And I remember feeling my phone vibrating under my back. Like I'd been at a friend's Christmas party and I'd just fallen asleep on my phone in oh, bed. Oh, you missed And I shift. was late. Completely late. And you know the panic that sets in, not just with you, but every other station, everyone else at the station. Where is he? Who's meant to be on this shift? Oh no! Got in the car, raced in, but that was the straw. And for the person that said, "Look, this just isn't working out," I said, "I couldn't agree more." (laughs) Don't don't subtle the blow. I would sack myself as well. So somebody not Haymore and Andy came in and and did that. Irene Hume, it was at the time. Oh, good old Rainy. She's still around. Yep, still kicking. Rainy said, this just isn't working. Can I have your your security card back? And I went, I get it. I get it. Don't worry about that. Uh, And then Hamish and Andy said, well, we still want him to be our street guy. Oh, well, that's good. Another life (laughs) saved by the Hamish and Andy team again. Because panelling really is a bit... uh, For for those of, you know, for a lot of people, I teach radio now and you bring people into the studio and you think everybody thinks it's just sitting behind the mics and having a yap, but when you're in charge of those buttons... It is seriously intense. intense. I admire anybody that is good at it. Honestly. uh, uh, Josiah. Josiah, but what? Who's Josiah? Josiah, work, our panel up. No, no, no. no. I was you're actually just pointing at me, and I'm trying to, I'm trying to <laughs> save this podcast you. for you. Downstairs, you're saving my podcast. Um, Tim Blackwell. Timmy I was going to say gun, natural. gun. Yep, absolute gun. Fifteen of a panel years up. the other day at Nova. Yeah, S- seen a few buttons, that boy. He certainly has, but very, very, um, very, very difficult. So you then, how did you end up going to to Perth? Uh, Perth was. I put together a demo. Oh, just we put together a demo. <laughs> <laughs> again, mic technique. Sorry, How yeah. long have you been working at radio again? Yeah, just. Can, can I take it off the stand? You sure can. You want, oh. I just wanted to Do you feel like I'm more important and hold it closer. Please. Um, I can hear a lot of your hand movements, but if uh, that's not an issue for you, then... How's it coming across now? <laughs> no, that's fine. We'll maybe supply some headphones. <laughs> I asked you. And we'll you. do a proper podcast. I asked you if you wanted one. Yeah, series two. I'll Don't. be back and I'll bring my own headphones. Don't. Not so close to the How's mic, that? mate. Oh, I'm going to put it back in the stand. <laughs> Don't worry, I'm going to edit this bit out. <laughs> Nervously told off. Do you want me to get you some headphones? No, no you've got to start somewhere. <laughs> uh, I put together a demo, mm. wonderful twist, with Ryan Shelton and Katie Diamond. Right. We spent six months putting together a demo, which I think was pretty good. Even looking back, I think it was a good demo mm. for three kids having a crack. And it was from that that we started doing a few more demos at different stations so we did maybe a month of brekkie or something in brisbane i remember at the time Mm. and then they said hey there's one more thing we might break you guys up would you go and trial over in perth and then bang the perth opportunity came around i remember sitting down with sean goff and he said we would love you to uh work here on the breakfast show and that was just sweet relief (laughs) (laughs) finally some sort of committed job but it was amazing that to jump past Perth mm. uh, to go and join Ryan Monty and Katie Diamond mm. to go and the three of us to meet up again to do a, a real show 
was amazing. Well, that's the thing. I think the hardest thing in this game, and I'm interested about how now you and um, and Fitzy have been working together for a long time, and you guys clearly get along so mm. well. Finding that right combination oh, of yeah. people, like that, is the lion's share of the work in this game. Hundred percent. Because if you are in the studio with someone that's difficult then it's so hard to – like it really becomes a serious grind. And even though you're not digging a ditch yep. any, every day, it, it can be some of the hardest stuff ever because it feels like you're in a bad date for three hours a day, yep. five days a week. Yep. And Marty Sheargold will always say that connection beats content any day. 100%. Any day. And you can – and it just it's, – it's the difference between the hardest job in the world and the easiest job in the world. Yeah. And when it doesn't click – Oh, God, it can really stink. When you and Fitzy got together, how did that show start? Uh, Fitzy was in Adelaide doing brekkie. And then uh, Fitzy used to come on as a guest for Ryan, Monty and Whipper. And I think they liked the sound of the two of us together. So there was an opportunity of change up in drive. They went, why don't we try you guys? Was it straight away you, from the first demo, you thought this could be a show? When it was the two of us, yeah. I even remember walking to the bathroom on our second show and I thought, I reckon we've got something here. I'm still not sure if we do. <laughs> I'm still, still walking to the bathroom last morning <laughs> thinking, I don't know. I we'll don't nail it know. eventually. <laughs> uh, that's, I mean, that, that feeling really is so hard to, because I, I felt we, um, on my last show with Merrick Watson, Jill Schiller, we had the same thing on our first demo. You know, we sort of, uh, we sort of looked at each other and went, oh, this is, there is something yep. here, you yep. know, and it's so, it's so difficult to find that. Um, I think that's what a lot of people spend their sort of radio life looking for. Don't they? That partner oh, that they 100%. connect with to go, we bounce. Yeah. We bounce really well. Because the interesting thing about the industry is that you've got a lot of creative people floating around. You've got a, pe- a lot of people who can hold their own in a conversation and are able to present and stuff. But that doesn't mean that, you know, when you get in a room, those two talented people in a room, that they're actually ge- going to be able to throw the ball around at all. No, and, no. and I've been in the room with plenty of people where, and I like to think like I can have a conversation yep. with most people. And I've been in the room with some people you think, oh, this is, like, this stinks. Yeah. <laughs> this really stinks. Did you do any of those kind of style any demos? stinkers? <laughs> remember when we got to this sort of Ryan, Monty and Whipper testing in Brisbane type stage, they pulled a few people out and put a few different ones in. And there was a show we did and it was sort of Mike, St- Mike Van Acker, Stav, who's still up there in Brizzy, mm-hmm. and Gabby Milgate. Uh, from Muriel's wedding. Oh wow! Uh, you're terrible, Muriel. Yeah, Whatever right. The line was that was uh-huh. Gabby. Gabby had done a bit of comedy work, but I knew then the room was too full. Yeah. Uh, and <laughs> yeah. Gabby, I remember being on the balcony with her one time, and she was almost in tears because you, you're so keen for it to work and you want that connection, but it was, it was just the click wasn't there. It yeah. didn't flow. It was always do I yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. and that's. That's part of the craft too, being mm. comfortable enough to sit back and not think, I've got to get a word in here. Glenn Robbins is the master at it. Absolutely. You won't hear him, but then when he speaks, everyone hears him. And that's the thing I think so often people do think, I have to get in here. Oh, if I'm not feeling. heard, I'm not yeah. relevant all the time. And you think, hang on a second, it, it's, if, you, if all of the bits that you say are considered yep. and golden and come in at the appropriate times, mm. then those are the bits that, that yep. people remember. It takes a long time to become completely comfortable with yourself on air. Do you feel you are now? Yeah, completely. 
taken me so long. Oh, I still have moments, but they're moments where I know that I have to pay a level of attention to detail. That's probably when I'm not myself. If it's a personal story, I don't care what Fitzy does. I don't care what anyone else is going to say. I know that they're there. I can pretty much guarantee what he will do. Mm. Um, but I don't have the concerns I've had before. I no. think that's so important. You can hear it in someone's voice. Yeah. And and one of the great things about you, I think, and I think one of the most important things uh, as a good radio announcer is you have to be able to take the jibes. And that's that comes down to the good relationship as well yep. that you have with the person in the studio because you need to know if Fitzy's going you, you yep. know, and, and on every single angle – there's, you know, you you can hear you guys will go and have a beer at the end of the show. Yep. You know, there's no real tension well, well, there. The, the truth is those sorts of comments and the jibes and the stabs, they wouldn't happen or be possible if the connection wasn't there. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Be, what is this serious bullying that I'm about to walk out to HR for? <laughs> <laughs> I understand they're for entertainment purposes. What do, you, what do you feel like you're good at on air? What do you feel like your strength is? Uh, I probably prefer a personal story. I know that's such a boring answer. No, no, no. But be only because it gives you the complete freedom to tell it how you would normally tell anyone. Mm. I think that's the greatest gift. You know, you have your quirky news stories and whatever you're trying to fill your six o'clock hour with and you roll through the dwarf in Germany that's found in a badger's cave. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yep. And he was a porn star. That was true, wasn't it? It really looked like yeah. um, Gordon Ramsay. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> and you can have your fun with those. Yeah. But the freedom just to tell a story. And I suppose, which is such a great Australian craft. Mm. Like, I don't think anything excites me more than when someone says, I've got a great story for yeah, you. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I'm all ears. And then the gift of being able to tell that story, mm. knowing that the crowd's going to enjoy and will react the way you reacted when you heard it, is just heaven. I love that. It's interesting, though, you get some people who are like, I'm going to tell you a great story and you know it's going to be rubbish. Yeah, and you're yeah, like, you're mate, undersell, over deliver. That's you'll the way die you. On this. <laughs> like nothing you've ever heard. Yeah, my cat got lost. <laughs> <laughs> oh, really? Thanks. Get out. <laughs> Do you feel now, because there is a lot of uncertainty in this business and, you know, I'm sure in all of those years when you're sort of um, being woken up by the vibrating phone under your back thinking, yeah, oh, yeah. shit, I haven't made it to the studio on time. You know, did you think for a long part of your career, am I ever going to get there? Am I ever going to make it? Am I ever going to get somewhere that yep. I, I want to be? Did you feel that a lot? Yeah, yeah, I think you still do. I mean, we were very lucky. We ended up signing a four-year deal, Fitzy and I, which gave us the greatest amount of freedom. It's huge in radio. It, it is. It is. It's a long amount of time. And you were sort of challenged by thinking, God, breakfast hours. Four years and then you go, wow, you're young, you connect with your mate, you've got a good team around you, great station behind you. Why the hell would you not? Yeah. I mean, job security in this game is, is so thin. Not only that, but I think from like a radio announcer's perspective, there is such a sense of fear and terror, you know, even when you are doing a good job, that's no yeah. guarantee that that job will continue. And the idea there can sometimes feel when you are behind the mic and the person doing the show, you know, there isn't that sense of you know, we want to show a commitment to you from the actual industry often. Yep. And I feel like that four years from, from Nova is such a sort of, mm. uh, I don't know, it's such a pat on the back to you guys to say, you know what, we're sticking with you. Yep. So give it a crack. We believe in you. We know this is going to go somewhere and we know you guys do a great job. Like that's a big it, thing it, in the business. Yeah, it is. You still go through moments though where you go, oh, hang on a minute, if the show doesn't work, 
great, I'll get paid out. But what, what does that mean? Mm. That means I'm not going to have another job, mm. you know, or it's, it's a thin chance of getting another job because it's failed. Yeah. Uh, if you don't see the contract out. I mean, things get moved like chess pieces though in this game. Mm. You can be here, you can be at Triple M one minute, you can be at Kiss. It's amazing who you see pop up and as, as they get shifted around the board. But I, I, for a while I did live my life thinking, what about that? And, but I think that's a mindset with life. Because, you know, I remember thinking, I've only got a two-year contract. I want to buy a house. Uh, and, you know, some people would say, oh, God, don't go and buy a house. What if the money stops after two years? If I've chosen this industry to have a crack at, I'm not going to spend my entire life thinking it could stop here. Because mm. you'll never move forward. Mm. You just have to back it. I bought a house three weeks before we found out our contract wasn't being renewed. How did that go for you? Yeah, it was a little, it was a little <laughs> concerning. I was still within the sort of, um, you know, the old grace period for this, the settlement oh, yeah, period. Yeah, yeah. And I thought a couple of yeah. times, I thought to myself, ooh, do I, do I pull out mm. on this one? Mm. But I stuck with it and, it, yep. and it's all worked out in Where the is end. it? Uh, in Brisbane. Oh, great. Yeah, in the old Brizzy. Around about the joint you were driving around around 10 years ago trying to <laughs> knock on doors. sent you a black box. You probably did. Um, you know what? Let's let's talk for a minute about mm. uh, uh, parody songs because yeah. we haven't talked enough about it at, sure, at the sure. moment. Yeah. Um, I can't own them. I don't own them. Well, everything. When we sign radio contracts, yep. m- all of the intellectual property gets signed over to the station. Yeah, a lot of those things if you want to use them though. Um it helps tying a charity in. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us the 101 of getting of getting your parody song out there. So tie a charity in. That's always going to do well. well. I'm thinking of Barry the parody bear that we had. Yes. We created a bear yes. that sang parody songs. Parody songs. We couldn't have done that without the charity element. Uh, $100,000 to Little Wings, a great organisation. Yes. <laughs> well, you look at me like I'm some sort of commercial pig. <laughs> I, like I wanted to put bears in homes with our songs on it so the kids and families would be influenced. There is a touch I'm of that. <laughs> there is a touch of that. But okay, your song Cookie Jars, which yep. you won an acro for, well and truly across that. Um, you, you, Lupe Fiasco yep. was a part of that. Surely there's a... Now, Lupe Fiasco is a bit of a big deal. Yep. You know, he's an international uh, rapper, a bit mm-hmm. of a celeb. Was there a touch of the old, uh, Lupe, before you go, there's a glass of water in this studio. Could you, oh, God, there's a script there. Could you just, do you mind just um, reading that rap into the, I mean, the mic's not on, but we'll great, use it later. You know the great benefit of working with Fitzy? Yeah. He's six foot six. He's half deaf. He's intimidating <laughs> as a footballer. Big unit. So when he stands over you and yells because he can't hear anything. Yeah. Lupe, mate, want to do this song? Lupe, can you ever think about some stuff to write down? Do that. Do you know, this is that something, helps. actually, I'll ask you about this because I've noticed that about Fitzy. He's got a very good way. He's very sort of in your face, in a, in a good way. Yeah, he's deaf. He can... I'm <laughs> he's not joking. Deaf. Is he deaf? When we go in to record so many of these great parody songs you speak of, yeah. my headphones are set so low and he's right up. <gasps> Constant pain in the bum. Has he been that way forever or is it just so. since working yeah, in radio? Yeah, I think so. He because he is quite a convincing fellow, and I feel mm. like he could really like he's got the balls to go up and say to somebody, "Mate, do you do that?" Now, in my my great yeah. problem sometimes is that I would never, I couldn't bear to ask Lupo Fiasco to read no. a script. Are you like that as no, well? Do you be- leave it to him? Yeah, he's better at me at that sort of stuff. Mm. Uh, I'd try and be more tactical. Probably check with the people first. Yeah, uh, you learn that's the hard way. Yeah, and if yeah. It, if he didn't say that, you wouldn't have the acra for bloody best parody song. <laughs> well, that's right. So quite often these days, I. Can't 
come in with stilts on yeah. and I'll pretend to be half deaf. Okay, and just good. just lean over the artist. Good. That's, that's sort of mildly insensitive. He's very good at that. Yeah. But he doesn't, he doesn't put up with any crap either. Mm. So I remember Tao Cruz, Tao Cruz. Came into the studio one time. Wonderful question. <laughs> a wonderful question. I assume he was an artist that was on a label and we were trying to get to someone bigger. Okay, and he right. came in for an interview and Fitzy went, G'day, uh, g'day, Tayo. And he went, It's Tayo. And then wouldn't look at Fitzy, sat there with his sunglasses on and he went, Not into this one, guys. I'm out of here. <laughs> and, the, and the record label goes, Did you guys want a photo? <laughs> As he's storming out. And Fitzy just said, Don't worry about it, mate. That's great. Well, what was the point? Honestly. We're here to help him. Yeah. You know, it's got to work both ways. Have you got many interviews like that? Because we, Jeremy Renner was like that for us. Was I, he? Yeah. I, but for me, more like more likely, he spoke a lot to the boys, but he right. just wouldn't look at me at all. And then the photo of us at the end looks like he wants to be anywhere else but standing next to me. Is is Tao Tao, whatever yeah. his name is, the worst that you've had? It's, it's, it's weird, isn't it, when that happens? Because you signed on for the movie. Mm. You knew you would be doing press. Uh, I understand your schedule's busy and hard. But just understand that the human, the little man on the street, right, with his recorders turned up to try and find out the best you are. And Daniel Craig and I just didn't connect. I didn't either with him. No, he thought he he was James Bond. You're not James Bond. Yeah. You played the character of James Bond. Yeah. Many many have before you. He was tough. It was like throwing questions at a brick wall. My God. Mm. The other one would be Bruce Willis. Really? But that didn't start well. I only had three minutes with Bruce. Yeah. And my angle was, uh, I want to have a beer with Bruce. Yeah. So when I went in there, I said, Bruce, let's have a beer together. You know, knock around sort of guy. And I pulled out a couple of cans of Foster's because I was in LA doing this interview. And I thought Foster's, yeah, classic Australian. Um... And he went, no, thanks. And I went, well, do you mind if I have a beer? And he went, go ahead. And the interview just went downhill. Oh, I don't know God. Until I asked about Demi. And he went, stop. Oh. And I said, stopped. And he said, next question. Anyway, so we wrapped it up. Bruce and I didn't get on very well until his publicist took me aside and said, um, Bruce is a recovering alcoholic. Oh. But there's sort of that. That's the, the, the research part. <laughs> which... Um, <laughs> which I mentioned at the start of this podcast. I could Wikipedia it for you if you wanted to. I'm very good at live so, research. Yeah, Bruce and I <gasps> haven't caught up since. Do you? I hate celebrity interviews. I genuinely like it because they're great once you in you're in there and you realise that the celeb's going to give you something. But that sense of fear when you walk in, mm. because for the most part, particularly if you're on those junkets and you're yep. just going through at the hotel, person after yeah, person yeah. after person, can be intense. They're over it. They don't want to do it anymore. Do you? Do you get excited by celeb interviews? Do you know you what like? I think happens? Mm. It's the range of celebrity which gives the difference in the interview. So you'll start off low. Let's go. Someone's just come off, come out of the. the had a, a level of success on The Voice. They'll come out and they're a little bit excited. Then they get a little bit bigger in their profile. Let's say we're doing some small stuff in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a little bit of arrogance there. Yeah. Then we move up slightly. We're getting warmer. We've had a few consecutive films that have been successful in Hollywood. We've still got a fair bit of attitude. Mm. And we're kind of, who are you now? Mm-hmm. Then we hit ultra, ultra, ultra success. And we're right up there. So you're a Chris Martin. You're a Stevie Wonder. Um, God... You look at Keith Urban, who we had the other day. Mm. Hugely successful. Nice guy. Brilliant chats. Yeah. That level of success, uh, I think, brings on maybe just 
uh, a relaxed approach. Well, you don't have to and prove it, anything you anymore, you have right? Nothing to prove yeah. except have a good time. Yeah. And they're the best interviews. And you walk out going, I can't believe I just met that person, Lana Ritchie. Oh yeah. my God. And he was amazing. It's always the people that are on the way up that sort of think that they have yeah. to have the attitude to match. And you're like, yep. mate, just don't get caught up in just that crap. tone it down a bit. Now, I, I want to finish up with the final five. It's gone quickly, hasn't it? It has. It has. How long's it been? Uh, it's been. You're doing the same amount of time. With everyone? Well, I'll probably edit most of it out. So, <laughs> <laughs> if I write, if I say right now it's been going for yeah. an hour and a half, and the actual podcast twelve and a half minutes. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm fine with the teaser. Just yeah. leave the agaves in. I'll I'm just that'll be it. I think that's where we'll end. To be honest, I'll probably just cut straight to the bit right. where you say goodbye. We'll make this three then. Are you really gonna play something at the end too? Yeah, I would okay, love to I want I want if you you've to. Got a guitar no, here I do have a guitar for the fans. Um, I, I, I'm, it's a work in progress because I'm only just sort of you know yeah, started like recording. So I don't know whether I'm going to call it Final Five or if I'm going to call it something else. Yeah. So I'll Fast wait. Five? Fast Five? No, I don't like that. Five. That's um, anything God. else? We'll workshop it. Will you ask other people to do an act at the end? Is it a bit red faces? No, it's not going to be red faces. So I'm the only one doing an act. Yeah, probably. Like yeah, because you're the only one that actually. I mean, you nominated it, mate. <laughs> <laughs> you don't act like you feel bad that I'm asked you. You're like, oh, you. As soon as you yeah, walked up here right. into the attic, you were like, Wait, is there a guitar around here? <laughs> <laughs> I just, I like to warm yeah, up with a yeah. few, uh, no, few taxi right. ride songs. Wasn't and, on uh, the run sheet, was it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's cool. All right, final five. Mm-hmm. Your biggest regret. It could either be a gig oh that God. you said no to or a gig that you took. Uh, biggest regret, probably probably some of the offensive jokes and comments I've made, which I thought were clever at the time. In hindsight, they were immature and silly. Are there any that you can reference right now that I can beep out if they're uh, potentially horrible? Uh, yeah. I remember saying that I would never go out with a single mother. Oh, did you? Yeah, I did. And I just felt that that was fine and that was my stance on it because I didn't want a pre-made family. Did you say that on air? Yeah, I was a kid though. Oh, dear. Yeah, did you get a lot of backlash for that? Unbelievable. Yeah. I'm two pages of complaints. Yeah, I over bet. Over and over again. And one of them in particular I remember stood out because some woman had written, I heard this on the way to school and my son turned to me and said, Mummy, am I the reason you can't find anyone? Oh. And that's when I kind of learned the impact of my words. That's another level of kids in cars because that's something yeah. we say all the time in radio when you're talking kids about not being rude and saying rude mm. words. But that's another thing entirely. When She's probably lying. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> no, it did, it did hit me and I went, ah, okay, okay, I'm learning, sorry. Yeah. It's hard though because some of those things, it takes a little while to get you, you know, and things that you yeah. think aren't necessarily offensive. There's, yeah. a, there's a fine line with some things that you would say at the pub with mates and you wouldn't offend them, but that you've got to be extra special careful of on we air. We made that joke too on air about Patrick Swayze what after he died. <gasps> about he didn't die from cancer. He went, uh, he went scuba diving and brought home a whole lot of seafood. I assume mm. because the headline read, Oysters Kill Patrick. Mm. And I remember picking up the phone and some guy said, that whipper should be taken off air. And I went, what have I done? What am I doing? Was that an off-the-cuff remark or something that you'd planned and no, you just I got it, it wrong? Off the cuff. He, yeah, I, I can't remember. I can't, I can't wipe my hands of that. Mm. I wish I'd never ever said that. It was just stupid. Isn't but that interesting, those moments where you say it and then well, it's... It must have been desperate. I think mm. when you hear those sorts of things, it's a desperate play. Was that a lot of... When did he pass away? Was that a lot of years ago? Yeah. 
That's got eight years ago. So part of that must be, and I'm I'm sure you know everybody's done it, but that yeah. lack of confidence and that, like you were saying earlier about being comfortable with silence and just yeah. speaking, so that sounds to me like that sort of got to feel it, got to got to feel it, and you just grab for whatever's yep. got to feel it because I don't want to look like an idiot. Now. Yeah, whatever. I'll offend bit of instead of look like an idiot. Mm. Wrong move. Oh, wrong don't move. do that. Oh, that are, those are a couple of big regrets. What you asked? Yeah, no idea. Is that the idea of this podcast? <laughs> I appreciate that you've. Ooh, I don't know whether I should have even said that. No, that's I. I can beep it out later if you don't want to mention it. Ooh, but what that's a fool. that's honestly that those are moments that that happen. They're oh. like real moments well, that I think everyone's made a comment within their even social group, whether they're on air or not, where they go, "Oh my god, I can't believe I said that." Yeah, and unfortunately, you're on the high wire when you're on mm. air. You know, there's mm. that extra level of, and you just never know. Who you might have the best of intentions, and everybody, you know, everybody knows that you don't come at it from a, a malicious place. But no. to people who are in that situation or offended, you, you know, you it can yep. be completely hurtful to them. Um, your dream gig or something that you haven't crossed off the bucket list yet? Oh God, is it? Does it meant to be entertainment? It can it can be? It doesn't have to be. Um, to was to this is was this the dream gig? Your bre- breakfast in a major market? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. On the mic, mate. Uh, sorry, back. Um, <laughs> that was my thinking look away. So you're meant to think that I had something really. Okay, it'd be good um, if we were on camera. But to create <laughs> to create and own a clever concept. You mean something in the entertainment or yeah, sort I of along so. the map line? Would be the natural, both. Right. Both. I love all that stuff. I love tech. I love innovation. Do you have a lot of ideas all the time? Too many. Yeah, me too. Far out. Too i got many. notebooks everywhere. I always judge them by... Running them past Lisa. Mm-hmm. And the ones that are good, you know, because you can't get them out of your mind. Yep. Do you follow through with them or do you just keep them in it? Because I think that the daily grind of, of everyday radio, it's tough because yeah, you can't yeah. really fit a lot in more into your life. It's pretty all-consuming. Yeah, I can't. I don't have time to do them. Do you it think... kills me. Are there any sort of... Kills me. ...top of the list that you've been dying to get to for ages? Yeah, a few. One mm. of them I'm doing at the moment, mm. um, which is in the virtual reality space. Is that, that doesn't have anything to do with the fact that you filmed your Lisa giving birth with a 3D virtual reality camera, does yeah, it? Love it. So you, if you put those goggles on, you're back in the birthing suite. I've uh, well, you're in there. Uh, I should have bought them today. You should. I mean, I you don't think. Look, I haven't. I haven't. S- I exactly. I haven't spent enough time with Lisa for the for the most time I've spent with her to be looking at her guts being opened. <laughs> Did you meet her at that Greek restaurant a while ago? I met her at Apollo. Yeah, yes, right. when you were there with Hamish and Merrick and I were there for Paul yep. Murray's birthday and Hammered. and we were. <laughs> 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 and well, I should have shot that in virtual reality. Oh, we were, yeah, we were a touch hammered. But I do remember chasing mm. you into the boys' toilets, which was <laughs> a high point in my life. Sorry, honey. Um, <laughs> but so, so something like that, right? Yeah, yeah. is it was is that, that a part of the project? I was reading that you that Lisa was getting the uh, spinal tap or whatever, and you were just outside with the with the yep. camera guy doing a bit of producing the segment. <laughs> oh, she's just, just running through it, <laughs> making sure battery's ready to go. <laughs> It w- it's amazing. So you see, I mean, you hear everything. It looks like you're standing just on the, at the end of the bed when you're standing there with the goggles on. And you can turn around and look everywhere to see the, the staff waiting, people taking down notes. You see the placenta come out into a bucket at the end and get moved around the room. Then the baby gets carried in front of you and is measured and weighed. And so it, it's, to me, it's the future and it's just such an exciting medium. I love it. Jeez. Did you pop any of uh, Lisa's placenta pills? Yeah, I did. Did you? Did you yeah. feel better for it? Not really. No? 
Uh, that's not why we had the kid. No. <laughs> Just for the placenta pills. <laughs> well, health and well-being is such mm. a big thing these days, and sometimes you just got to go the extra mile. Do, what I do. Yeah. Um, no, no, that's kind of the project at the moment. That's exciting. Well, watch this space. Um, uh, second last. Uh, oh, there's only four questions oh, here. Oh, well, <laughs> wait. The fifth one is going to be to be. Is there a song you can do on guitar? <laughs> There is a fifth one which won't be in this podcast. Obviously, I forgot what it is. It will be. Top will four. You do? <laughs> <laughs> what have you got? Uh, what's oh, well? I suppose this you've kind of um, answered, but but it's a different one. I'm looking for a sort of a radio idea. You've done a lot of different ideas over the yeah, years. Sure. I noticed one thing that is on your Wikipedia page and just about every other page that's out there is the idea that you know radio for you uh, has been the fulfilment of a big dream. You've managed to get the Guinness Book of World Records for the world's oh. largest catapult, oh, yeah, um, the, catapult. the Bob Catapult. But is there an idea, because in radio, you know, mm. that's your whole job. Mm. You just come up with ridiculous ideas that end up coming to fruition. Yep. Are there any ridiculous ones that you've had that just haven't made it, that you either wish you had or you yeah. can't believe you had the idea in the first place? Um, there's been some crackers, and I can't believe on the Wikipedia page it doesn't say that I actually own, and you're in the photo for this, <laughs> of when it happened, what? was when uh, I um, built or made the longest Sausage, ever. Oh, my God. Yeah, 350 metres of pork and fennel sausage. Back when we were at 92.9. You don't remember that? No, I do remember it, absolutely. (laughs) Well, add that and talk about it. Wait, hang on a second. I was bloody there. I was a part of that. Why aren't I in the Guinness Book? Wasn't your idea, mate. What do you mean it wasn't my idea? I had to turn up to the bloody... National record. National record? Yeah, longer sausage. Did you wait until I'd left 92 to apply for the bloody thing? (laughs) Because I I was there. I got a certificate. Just stop yelling. <laughs> this podcast is about discovery <laughs> and understanding. I was there at that thing. Yeah. I, I made that sausage with you. Yeah, sort of. What do you mean, well, sort of? Sort Bruce the Butcher. So what are you in the Guinness Book of World Records no, for No, that? no, no. Not a world record. Just a national record. <clears throat> what book does that go in? I don't Wikipedia. It. <laughs> <laughs> it's more of a census type thing. <laughs> it's, just, it's just a sentence um, on your yeah, Wikipedia. Yeah, you know, I've got a great idea and I'm, I'm hesitant to say it. Okay. Don't say that it's going to happen. No, I'll say it. Stuff no. it because we'll do it better than anyone else. It's called the platter pinata puss. <laughs> no, it's a platypus that's a pinata, and we're going to smash it. <laughs> and then prizes come out and fall onto a square, and listeners have won a square. What's wrong? The platypus is Australian, right? Okay. And it's the biggest in the world. You're course. an idiot. You're well, <laughs> you're genuinely I'm, an idiot. You know what? What? On my kid's life. That's I'm not an joking. idea. Why is that an idea? I don't know. <laughs> Just imagine a giant. Okay, I'll, I'll see your platter pinata plus and, and I will raise you. I will mm. not say the network that it was for, but I was once approached by a television network to do a debating segment mm. and the debating segment was supposed to be, it was with another guy, a comedian, and it was supposed to be the idea, the pitch of it was that it was funny. It's mm. going to be funny. Uh, and... The name of the segment they had decided was Opinionata. And and the reason they called it Opinionata is because they were going to whack the topic each week out of Opinionata. 
and don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. And so we, me and this other guy had our severe reservations about mm. the segment um, opinionata and the ideas of it. Anyway, it kind of get, kept getting pushed back and back and back and back. And we had both said to them, "Look, I think what you need to do is sort of if yeah. it's, it's obviously going to be a bit of a silly segment, you're bashing something out of opinionata. Yep. So you should probably we'll just come up with the content. We'll come up with a debate." And they were like, "No, no, no. Our producers have got it. Don't worry. We'll send you a topic." So eventually, after a few weeks, we get the first topic for Opinionata where they're belting a topic out of Opinionata and it is, should you forgive and forget after Reva Steenkamp's mother (laughs) said she forgave Oscar Pistorius? (laughs) How much fun is this job? (laughs) And both of us wrote back and we're like, I'm out. I'm out. I mean, I've laughed because there's there's a piñata in yeah. here, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm going to say that the best topic Tonal to change. do, yeah, when we've bashed it out of a piñata. Yeah. That's one of the most dangerous things in radio, where people can't create a title yeah. before having the idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly what's happening. Yeah, they've retrofit that, and it was an absolute uh, disaster. Wow. Yeah, opinionata. It's uh, <laughs> coming to a television near you, and then swiftly being taken off because it broke a whole bunch of codes. Uh, so, finally, advice for people wanting to get into the biz. Uh, Got to be hungry for it. I don't think you need to travel anymore, like I did. <laughs> <laughs> that was back in the day. And I love plants, love a car phone. Yeah. Um, but I think you just get into the building. Get into the building any way you can. Mm-hmm. Be a Casanova, whatever it might be. Uh, and then work hard at trying to find that person you connect with. And if you do, beg the boss for some airtime. Put together a demo, beg the boss, I want to do mid-dawns. Give mm. me 3 to 5 a.m. Like, give me 3 to 4, whatever, and just try and get some airtime up. you got to want it. And these days... Hmm? You could be sitting in the attic, right? You could be At sitting, home. You, you can. Doing your own show. Before, oh. back in the days when we started, to get a demo together, you actually had to get into a yeah, radio you did. studio. You did. Now you don't need to do that no, anymore. Don't. And then when you do it, you don't even have to be in the radio station. Exactly. Osher Ginsburg. <laughs> coming to you live from my Bondi apartment to Brisbane. Is he truly? Yeah. Oh, see, this is that. what happens when you get to a certain level, right? Yeah. They'll they'll same with I think they've got a studio in Alan Jones's house yep. and there's you know, once you get to a certain level, people are like, Yeah, I'll build you. When you ask for that when you're at the you bottom, oh you yeah, you watch those laughs roll on in when you ask for that when you're uh, just starting <laughs> um, out. I do have one more question before yep. we get to your um playing us out with Michael Whitfley. Mm. Not a parody song you're gonna do sexual, sexual healing. healing. Yeah, yeah. Um this is my Lee, Lee Sales question, very hard hitting question mm-hmm. to finish things up. Uh did you really not know what a pecan nut was on Millionaire Hot Seat. <laughs> really cheap shot. Um, great question. Did you really not know? Because we, I know in this business we make stuff up from time to time. I reckon you well, knew. you know this business. You knew. So if you know this business, you will understand entertainment and content. I had no idea. <laughs> Truly. Oh, no, nah, come nah, on. You no, played it. You played it. Of course I knew. You I Everyone knows what a pecan is. You didn't know, huh? did you? Double pinky swimmy that you didn't. Double pinky swimmy, you didn't Go know. Go and get the guitar. No, double pinky no, swimmy. I didn't know what it was. Truly. I don't eat nuts. I've never eaten nuts. Yeah, but you Full could stop. have... Big whoop. You could have a nut out. It's like, you know... Yeah, but I'm not a nut guy. It doesn't matter, I mate. I eat nuts. It doesn't matter. I could be allergic to bread. I still know what bread is. Fitzy, like. Fitzy went on the next night and he didn't know what his clavicle was. He'd broken it twice. <laughs> okay. So you either know it or you don't. Okay. Were you, at that moment in time, were you mortified? But, but you know what? <laughs> I, I, I knew it wasn't a pecan. I mean... <laughs> You don't even. I a knew toucan. it wasn't a toucan. 
Okay, so that bit was a yep, bit of little fluff on top yeah. for the that was a bit of sugar. funniness, yeah. right? Roll that out. Okay, right. Here. But you didn't know it was a nut. No. You're an idiot. No, I didn't. Okay, well, that's good to know. Um, we cut that bit out? No, we're not cutting that <laughs> bit. <laughs> that's my Lee Sales question. It's very important. Jeez, yeah. you hit me hard. I oh, know, right? I've got, to, I've got to hit them hard. Speaking of which, I'm going to go and get the Is guitar now. Um, probably not, but yeah, that'll sure. make it all the better. Okay. And you're going to play us out um, with About a bit time. of sexual healing. Um, I've been waiting for, uh, depending on how long this edit ends up, 12 and a half minutes for this to, to us to get to this. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let me get the guitar. Oh, I'll wait quietly. <laughs> All right, we've got the uh, guitar, the moment we've all been yep. waiting for yep. for the entire podcast. <laughs> it's uh, it's time for Michael Whitfley to play us out with a bit of sexual healing. You've you've tuned the guitar. That's right, baby. It's taken you a few minutes to get that up and ready, <laughs> and uh, you look comfy. I've got you a glass of water. I feel like you've been itching to do this yeah. since you arrived. Yeah. Um, just make sure I'm coming through loud and clear here. No, you're a little off mic there, oh, mate. Ma- ma- sorry, just make sure <laughs> I'm coming through loud and clearly for the people, yeah? Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Okay. Here we go. Yeah, that'll do us, mate. No, no, Thanks no, for getting... No, 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 no. No, that'll do us. Thanks, Whip. That'll do us. I can edit this out. Well, you've interrupted it. Yeah, no, I think we're done. Thanks, mate. Thank you. Thanks for listening to You've Got to Start Somewhere. Thanks. To subscribe to the podcast, check out other episodes, and keep up to date, head to you've got to start somewhere.com. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of You've Got to Start Somewhere and for making it all the way to the very end. If you like what you heard, then I would love it if you would leave a review in iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you subscribe to the show because it helps other people find it. And if there's anything that we referred to during the show that you weren't aware of, for example, what Guy Grossi's face looks like, or you didn't catch Whipper on Millionaire Hot Seat, I've got links to all of the videos, images, and everything to get you up to speed on the show notes page, which you can find at you've got to start somewhere.com. If you've got dreams of starting your own podcast, then you can check out podschool.com.au, which is my online podcasting course that will help you do just that. And next week on the show, Merrick Watts joins me to talk about, among other things, the first time he saw his future comedy partner, Rosso, perform on stage. I saw Rosso perform in his uh, comedy band, Black Rose, at the club in, in Collingwood. Uh, on Smith Street when I was a, a young bloke. So I would have been, must have been just turned 20. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was with my brother and, and I was at the bar trying to talk to this girl who had zero interest in my human face. <laughs> you know how it works, right? You've seen this. and uh, you are You've been that person. <laughs> I've done it. <laughs> um, and uh, my brother ran up, to, ran up to me and he said, mate, you've got to come and see this band downstairs. And I said, no, I'm not going to see the band. And he goes, mate, you've got to see this band. He goes, you will love them. And I said, mate, no, I'm, I'm not. And I was never a live music person. So I said, no, nah, I'm all right, mate. I'm just going to just keep smashing my head against this wall, thanks. And um, <laughs> and he said, one of the guys is wearing moon boots. You know, like 80s moon boots? Yeah. And I said, oh, I've got to yeah. see this. <laughs> and I went down and I saw Rosso's band. And I was like, these guys get it. This is funny. Yeah. This is very different. Completely, it was all a piss take. You couldn't tell whether or not they were a bunch of people who had mental illness, <laughs> yep. for real, yep. or if they were just very clever. I hope you'll join me next week for the next episode of You've Got to Start Somewhere. See you then.